then starting next time, we're going to talk about the values that these beliefs lead us into. And you'll notice they're going to sound kind of repetitive. If we believe the Bible is God's word, we value engaging with the Bible. It's kind of simple, really. If we believe that salvation is by grace according to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we believe that salvation is by grace through faith, we value faith. We don't value deeds quite so much. We put deeds in their proper place when we value Anyway, I've got to avoid preaching the whole series. After we talk about vision, or values, we're going to talk about mission. Because what we prize determines what we pursue in this world. If the central message of the Bible is gospel, that means good news. Good news. What do you do with good news? You celebrate it and you share it. It's really that simple. If if you're uh, if you go home this afternoon and you watch a sports uh, activity on TV and your team wins. Tomorrow, no one will have to tell you to talk about that at the office. You will not need a commandment. Good news is celebrated, and celebrating good news involves telling you. You would not believe what happened to me this week. It's the best thing. Nobody has to command me to share that. So if I see someone who's a Christian and they're not sharing it, I might tell me something about their values, which might tell me something about what they believe, really. Now, there's a bazillion ways to share it. But if you regard it as good news, you certainly cannot keep it to yourself. I'm telling you about an opportunity, not a burden. Here's the reason a lot of us don't share the gospel, because people are telling us we should. You should do this, and we put it on you like a law, and then it feels like a law, and you forget that it's good news, and nobody needed to tell you to share it. Once we have a mission, then we have a bunch of activity around that mission, right? So we went from belief to values to mission to activity. Everything we do here in the church is around the mission of celebrating and announcing the good news. Everything we do in this church, everything we do in this church must be about celebrating and announcing the good news. To each other and to the world around us. We so desperately need it. 
Did you hear me when I said everything? This is our filter. This is how we decide that's a good thing to do. That is not such a good thing to do. Is it about celebrating and announcing the good news? That's all. Well, and we won't have to do that sort of when we get there. Then the last thing is organics, which is how does the body of Christ the body, the family of God, the church, organize all that activity? Okay, so that's the big outline, those are big things. We haven't even gotten to the days there's a change in this week's bulletin because of how much space things take up on paper. So normally we put in, we've been putting a preview for next week's lesson on a separate piece of paper in your bulletin. But this is not the preview this week. This is this week's lesson. And the problem was because all of this wouldn't fit here where we normally put the sermon out. Sorry, this is like way too in the weeds, but so where you normally find this week's sermon outline to this week, you find next week's preview. And don't worry, we're going to email it to everyone with the email address we have. Maybe we don't have your email address, in which case you should give that to Greta. Greta, wave your hand in before you leave today with your name and we'll put you on our list. So today we're talking about the last session, number three, in our section on belief, truth that matters most, life in the already and the not yet. This is something uh, theologians love to talk about, the already, not yet. It's just because it's so cool, already and not yet, but here's what we're talking about. We live in the time between the cross and the resurrection. That's when we are right now. We live between the cross and the resurrection. Well, maybe a better way to say it is we live between the resurrection and the resurrection. There's already been a resurrection. But you and I have not yet experienced it personally. It's already and not yet. We live uh, in the time in which you are saved, if you believe in Christ. That has already happened. It is a sure thing, guaranteed. In fact, the Bible says you were saved before the foundation of the world. Then you were saved when you, together with Christ, died upon the cross, according to Romans 6. I have been crucified with Christ. That happened when Christ was crucified. Romans 6, we are mysteriously united to Christ in his death and therefore in his resurrection. All of that has already happened. Also, I remember the day when I sat on the bed in my mother's bedroom and I asked her about I wanted to be a Christian, I wanted to be saved, I wanted to, I think I probably said, ask Jesus into my heart, and she led me, and I was five years old. I remember that day. 
<clears throat> That's the day I was saved. But you could have said I was already saved when Jesus died on the cross. Already, already, already. God already already. And yet the scripture says we are being saved day by day. As we trust in Christ, as we follow, as we seek Him, as we exercise the same faith each day, we are being saved. A Christian grows in grace. Isn't that the strangest thing? The Bible uses that term. Every time it talks about growing, it doesn't talk, talk about growing in good behavior that much. It talks about growing in grace. Does in fact result in good behavior However, I grow in grace. I, I appreciate and trust in the finished work of Christ a little more than I did yesterday. I trust myself to that reality. I understand that the work of Christ has solved my life, and then I live trusting that reality, and more and more I live in that faith. That's growing. Then the scripture says, we look forward to our salvation as though it has not yet This is what we mean by already and not yet. I'm already saved. I'm as saved as possible. You cannot be more saved than I am. And I'm not bragging except in the grace of God in Christ, which is the most fantastic thing ever, ever, ever. The most incredible thing is the grace of God in Christ poured out by the Holy Spirit in my heart, leading me to trust in it and therefore possess it. I'm as saved as a saved as saved can be. And God, the scripture says, who began that good work in me will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Until the day of Christ. Wait, carry it on to completion. But already? Not yet. This is where we live. This is the age in which we live. We look forward to that day, that resurrection day in which our salvation will utterly realized. The scripture says in 1 John chapter 3, Behold, what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world doesn't know us is that it didn't know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. Beloved, we are God's children now. Behold the love. And what we will be hasn't yet been revealed. But we know that when he appears, we will be like him. Because we will see him as he is. And everyone who has, who, who hopes in this way in Christ, 
purifies himself as Christ is pure. Wow. This is already not yet. So let's talk about this life. I got to speed this. Now, one of the things we're doing as a matter of as, as part of this course is you'll notice there's some things if you look at your little flyers, things that are underlined. And if we would print in color, they'd also be blue. That's to make them look like computer things, even though they're not computer things. I hope none of you can not thinking of them. They don't go anywhere. However, those are things we think you you might want to go deeper on. But because we're skipping this stuff, we don't we're not taking the time to dive into each one of those things. There's a lot. The Bible is a big book. Uh, so if you have a question or anything you want to explore further, of course I would love to talk to you at the time. But we have appointed a time, which is Sunday after the church, after the coffee. We all get together over here in this air-conditioned room, and uh, you can ask whatever you want. We just have really a free discussion. It goes wherever it goes. Life the already not yet. The first thing about this life is it happens in the church. It is not possible to be a Christian Alone. <clears throat> Here's something I know many of you have heard because I heard it all the time growing up. You only need to believe in Jesus. You don't need to go to church. You don't need to be baptized. You don't need to be good. You don't need to be loved. You don't need to. You don't need. All you need is to believe in Christ. And that is true. We believe in salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. However, certain things happen when a person trusts in Christ. Things happen that are not controlled by that person. Here's one. The very Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, places you into the body of Christ the church. Like it or not. When you trusted in Christ, you became in the church. It is not possible to trust in Christ, and that doesn't happen. You are a part of the community of God, whether you recognize it and participate and take full advantage or not. It is the reality of the situation of every Christian. If you are not in the church, you are not a Christian. Because when anyone trusts in Christ, the Spirit of God puts them in the church. It might take some time for them to get it. That is the reality. In our reconciliation to God, this reads, we are also reconciled to everyone else who trusts in Christ. In fact, if you read Ephesians chapter 2, it will tell you that the work of the cross was first to take the two groups of people, Jews and Gentiles, and reconcile them together into one new people, the church. And then to take that group 
and reconcile them together to God. That's the work of the atonement. It's quite spectacular. You, you realize that you know, all this happens instantly. However, it's the body of us, not just each of us, but the body of us that is reconciled to God by the work of the cross. We are placed by the Spirit into the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. That means the church is the spiritual, material presentation of Christ in the world. How do you know I'm here? You're looking at me. How do you see me? Well, body. That's how. Our body is our material self, our presentation of ourselves to others. It is how I actually become available to you. And we are the body of Christ. How is the church, how is Christ available in the world now in the body? Now, we tend to individualize this, especially in America, but America has exported its particular brand of evangelical Christianity everywhere. So it's very common in all places to individualize this and to say, you, have you ever heard this? You might be the only Jesus that person sees. Well, that could be true. They might only see one of us. But you can't possibly represent Christ by yourself. <coughs> Can you? I mean, look at me, I'm just like Jesus. The Bible says Jesus wasn't particularly good looking, but I hope he beat this. Imagine you were walking down the street. This is kind of gross, but let's imagine you look down, and there, by the side of the road, on the sidewalk, is a finger, not connected to the rest of the body. First of all, gross finger. Well, here's what you could do: you'd probably dial 911, and the police would come, and they'd figure out who that finger belonged to by looking at its fingerprints or its DNA, and they'd figure it out because every finger is unique to each of us. You could tell this was my finger, even if I wasn't here. You could look at my finger, and you'd know it was the, the duggest of dug fingers. It could not. It, it is absolutely identifiable as mine. However, here's what you can't do. You cannot look at my finger apart from the rest of me and tell me anything else about me. You certainly couldn't tell that I'm a pastor or that I drive a blue truck or that you couldn't say anything. It takes the whole body to represent Christ. And even then, because of our uh, already not yet condition, we have a hard time doing it very well. But the church's body of Christ, the spiritual material presentation of Christ in the world. The church is a family. We've been talking about this a lot lately. A community in which 
our new life in Christ is celebrated. Here's, here's how we do here's how we celebrate here in the church. There's a list. The happy announcement of the gospel. You know, I was I was trying to edit this because it was taking up too much space to put on one that panel. So one of the things I thought about taking out was the word happy. Is it good? I could just say the announcement. Here's the thing. If you look angry when you announce good news, something is wrong with you. If you are mad at the world, when you announce the gospel of God's grace to the world, something has gone haywire. Why do we expect the world to act like they're redeemed? We don't even act like we're redeemed. Most of the time. Why are we so mad? The happy announcement of God's good news. This is the thing to dance over, to sing about, to splash around in. Why does the world think we're mean? Well, there's two reasons. First of all, the world's thinking is faulty, and they think stuff that's mean that's the opposite of mean. Second of all, we're mean. We have, you know, like, uh, too, too much self-righteousness going around in the church. Not enough depending on the righteousness of Christ, the finished work of Christ. Who is Christ, not whether anyone's acting right. You didn't get saved because you acted right. You acted wrong, and God loved you, and his son died for you, and you found out one day when the Spirit announced it in your heart. Smile. Sorry if I seem mad at <laughs> Through the happy announcement of the gospel, through prayer, we celebrate through prayer. For heaven's sake, you can pray. That should not be. Do you know the story when Isaiah found himself accidentally in the presence of the throne room of God and the angels were going, holy, 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 like all the time. The whole place was shaking from the glory of God and Isaiah sees God and he says, ah, get me out of here. I cannot be here. I can't stand here. I'm a man with unclean lips. I live among the people of unclean lips. I am doomed here before God. And the book of Hebrews says, you, Christian, you can march into that very same place and say whatever is on your mind. Idiot, 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 as much as stupid stuff as you care to. And what you will find there now is not the shaking room, but the warm embrace of your Abba Father. Oh, for heaven's sake, you can pray. What a miracle! 
You should not be allowed to pray. If we approach God on our own merits, we wouldn't get anywhere near the place. But I come wrapped up in the righteousness of Christ. And I can walk in there like I own it. And I can talk about whatever I want to talk about. And I will receive concern, care, provision, whatever I need all the time. I can share my heart. I can pour it out. We celebrate here. We pray. We celebrate the reading and the explanation of the scriptures. That's what we're doing right now. Thank uh-huh. 
that's the rest of us acknowledging that the Spirit of God has already baptized them into the body of Christ. This is something the local church does. Not just anyone can go around baptizing anyone. We are baptized into the church. Then we have, we share the Lord's Supper. What is the Lord's Supper? Well, it's not the dispensation of God Christ's merits. It's us <coughs> renewing the new covenant before God. Coming together. This is something we do together. I don't receive communion by myself or something. I receive it at the church. The church provides it. And all it is is to say, I am one who receives the body and the blood of Christ. That sacrifices, I claim that. I am in. I come to the table. It's all that simple. You don't have to clean up your act first. You come. This is just like coming to Christ in the first place. I don't have to, I didn't have to reform my ways before I could believe in Jesus. No, I believe in Jesus and he reforms my ways. When we come to the table, we are doing that. We're saying, we are the people, the people of Abba, the people of Christ, the people that Jesus died for, the people he gave his body and his blood to say, that is me, yes. It's a celebration of a reality that is already. We believe we, we uh, celebrate through the mutual encouragement of joyful service in the body of Christ. We have the opportunity to express the love of Christ. We do this in little sacrifices and giving an offering instead of doing some work, teaching a class, and reading a song, and running the sound equipment, and setting the chairs, and cleaning the container, and over, there's, there's a million things. In fact, there's a joyful service in simply showing up for church, being available to these people for time of fellowship, for time of handshake, to smile at somebody is a joyful service. We all need to be smiled at. To shake someone's hand doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be a big job. It could be a tiny one-minute task. But what we do in the body of Christ is we follow the example of Christ to joyfully serve. And that does involve some pain from time to time. From time to time, joyful service involves listening to someone weep. It involves putting your arm around someone who's lost something or someone. It's not pain-free, but it is joyful. It's an expression of what we have received from God in His very love. That's what we do here. Through the sharing of personal resources and meet the needs of others, that's just one I have something you needed, you can have it. <clears throat> I have a car, you need a ride, I'll give you a ride. It's not 
Just look around the people around you and think about what they need. Oh, and by the way, don't be so proud about sharing what you need in the family here. You know, when I was growing up, I lived in a family where there's five kids in the family, so it was like a little club of people diverse. Here's something I never observed. I never observed any one of us needing something for more than about two seconds without saying so. Ma! Ma! And she's busy, of course. She has her own mind. She's on the phone. She's doing something. But I want one of those. Ma! 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 It sounds like one of these little goats. <laughs> <laughs> Here's, here's the thing, you're in the body of Christ, bleed away. There's something you need, share it. Somebody might have it. No big deal. And the, the real problem with seeing sharing going on in the church is our pride about telling other people we might be needy rather than the problem of our generosity. Here's something I've observed. Whenever needs come up, man, people jump on that. Here's the summary. In other words, we relentlessly seek out ways to exhibit to others the love God has exhibited to us. We relentlessly seek out ways. There's a million ways. Do you enjoy the love of God? Find a way to hand it out. I mean, what a fantastic thing. This is the good news all over again. I, if you got good news, I don't need to tell you to tell somebody. The church is organized in local assemblies under the direction of elders who serve as under shepherds of this local church. We're going to talk more about this when we get to the, that organics part at the end. This is just something about what we believe. The church that matters is your local church. There's, there's not a church is outside the organization of some local church. This is God's missionary program for the world, the local church. Okay, more on that later. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. We're so out of time. We're so out of time, we're going to take more than one week for this lesson. It's, it would just be mean. I, would, I could. So next time, we're going to talk about the battle. We're talking about living in the already and the not yet. And there's a battle going on. And we have, in our faith, we have enemies. And you might be surprised when you find out who your worst enemy is. And then, we're going to talk about that day. That day, we will see. We will see the beauty so clearly that we will immediately imitate it. We'll be like it because we'll see him for real. Now, I have a vision of Christ. I have some understanding of Christ. I have some perception of Christ. 
Bible talks about it, like using kind of a cloak and something that's sort of a bad mirror. We can see it, but then face to face. And it won't take you half a second to decide how you're going to be from then on. Because you will see the beauty, the righteousness of Christ like you have never seen it. I hope you will uh, think about joining us for the discussion and uh, we will talk about it. Well, whatever questions you have. Father, thank you for this amazing grace that you've shown to us. This is my body.